0: sports radio 104.3 the fan every saturday morning it's terry wickstrom outdoors terry takes you inside the outdoors you know hunting fishing camping it's terry wickstrom outdoors now here's terry good morning from our uh, snowy studios in fort collins today uh we got we got a Pretty good covering on the ground already for not supposed to be getting something too early. But I guess they are getting a little snow down in Denver, and I, uh, I've i talked to some people around, and it's spotty. Some are getting snow, some are not. I don't think we're supposed to get a lot, maybe in the southern parts of the state, and uh, not so much in the mountains. This is kind of a front-range event. We'll see how that all plays out. Um, speaking of snow in the mountains, later on today, we are going to talk about avalanche safety The avalanche danger has been, you know, it hasn't been listed as extremely high, but we've had a lot of incidents already. We've lost several lives and just recently had some people rescued. So we're going to talk about that. And you can find information on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. I just uh, not too long ago reposted an article I wrote for the Denver Post on avalanche safety. And you can go down and just go to my Facebook page, scroll down, and you'll find it. There are just a, a few posts down, and uh, take a look at that if you're headed to the backcountry. We have a lot of people getting outdoors who, uh, who aren't used to being outdoors or haven't been recently, and it's good to remind everybody uh, to take care of themselves. We're going to talk a lot of ice fishing today, but we're also going to talk some waterfowl hunting uh, we're gonna, you know, before we even get into the show, I, we're gonna talk next week about fly fishing. And uh, I talked to the fo- folks over at Blue Quill Angler yesterday. They said along most of the South Platte, the water is starting to ice up a little bit on the river, but it's fishable. But they said uh, the blue up in the mountains was recently stocked. Fly fishing very well. And uh, the Dreamstream, for how it fishes, it's kind of a technical fishery, is fishing quite well. So there are a lot of fly fishing opportunities. We're going to give that some more time next week. And speaking of time, we do have a short show today. We will only be going to 1030 because the fan is going to carry all three of the playoff games today. We're going to be your playoff headquarters for the NFL today. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Right now, let's go right to the phones. And uh, joining us, and I believe he's out on the ice, is Brad Peterson. Good morning, Brad.
1: Good morning, Terry. Yeah, I did. I uh, headed out on the ice early and have been getting in some pretty good fishing so far.
0: (laughs) Well, we're going to talk about that. But before we get into the ice fishing, I know we're going to talk about some panfish and some trout and some other types of fishing. Uh, We want to talk to you about waterfall. You're kind of our go-to expert for the waterfall season. You guide for waterfall. You used to run a lot of the major calling contests. You're an avid waterfall hunter yourself. This weather we're getting, it's kind of an off-and-on thing this weekend. It's going to get warm again next week. We've seen the geese and the ducks maybe get a little educated, a little moved around because some freezing, some thawing. What's the current state of things, and do you expect some new birds? You know,
1: right now I, I think our current state of things is going to stay pretty status quo uh, the snow's going to make things good for a couple days, but we're going to warm back up again, and I don't see anything that's really going to push new northern birds down. So we're going to be hunting these educated birds. You really need to put your time in scouting and figure out either if you can get on the spot that the birds are going to or what their flight path is and get in between that, And and that's often called, you know, hunting the traffic kind of hunting the the highway with which the birds are flying um and that's going to get you your best success on geese ducks it's it's all about scouting there's pockets of birds uh in various different areas you know spots on the big toms and on yeah you know, i'm not too far from the saint brain i'm hearing a little shooting here and places throughout the the plat have you know there's little pockets that have good concentrations of birds but there's other spots that don't have a lot. So Spend some time out scouting is the real key to being successful when the weather is, is kind of warm, not forcing the birds to feed, and we also have, uh, you know, birds that have been here for a while. The one thing that is going to help us is we're getting over that full moon, and that full moon made a lot of the ducks feed at night. So I, I think that, you know, you're going to see some improvement, but spend some time scouting, and
0: that's really going to improve your odds. You know, we've got a lot of people getting out into the outdoors because of COVID, either for the first time or in a long time. They haven't done it for a while. And we've talked already about getting outfitted to go waterfall hunting and, you know, shotgun decoys and things like that. I would think waterfall hunting would be one type of hunting where you could get frustrated pretty easy if you're not understanding the ebb and flow of the birds. Do you think that's true?
1: I think it is. I think a lot of people just expect to go out anywhere and have the success that, you know, they hear from friends or seeing on the Internet. And um, it takes time to kind of learn the areas. And so oftentimes if you have two days to hunt, you can be more successful spending that first day scouting and just hunting one of the days than just trying to go out kind of blind and hunting two days blind
0: well and i think waterfall also because at times you're going to need to call at times you're going to need decoy sets you may not be set up i think it's one of those where if you're getting back into it take at least one trip or two with a guide don't you think i think that that really
1: helps you know things have changed over the years uh the calls the decoys uh the amount of pressure we've had around here and with the amount of pressure you know the birds are are definitely a little more educated so Having a guide, and when you go out with a guide, don't just go out there to hunt, but go out there to learn. Ask questions. You know, they're happy to answer questions and help you out so that, you know, you're successful when you go out on your own.
0: Yeah, and, you know, and that being said, we've got waterfall hunting almost through spring when you count the conservation season, so there's still plenty of hunting left, isn't there? Yeah,
1: our duck season, you know, on the Central Flyway runs through the end of January, Goose runs through, uh, regular goose season runs through the middle of February, and then conservation season starts right after that. We typically have good snow goose hunting through about mid to late March with a few pushes in late March and April that can provide some good hunting. So you still have, you know, at least two months of good opportunities for waterfowl hunting.
0: Right. All right. So let's change gears now. Um, Let's talk about fishing. A lot of people are getting out ice fishing. I know we've been covering it a lot, but I just think it's something that people can get get into at so many different levels with a minor investment, or they can really go gung-ho and spend some time and money on it. But it's a great way to get out. We're starting to see some opportunity right here on the front range. The mountains have been fishing well for a while. I know you've been up and down the front range a little bit the last couple days. First of all, what are you seeing for opportunities?
1: Opportunities, you know, the front range has fairly decent ice. I'm out here at St. Brain this morning and uh, on on that Blue Heron, and it's, it's only got about three and a half inches of ice. But I was out, been out to Boyd and Lon Hagler, and both of those are, you know, over five inches of ice. So you still need to be a little cautious where you're going you know, spend some, get out slowly, use your spud bar, have all your safety equipment with you. But there's enough ice to fish. And the bite is getting a little bit more technical um, in that, you know, a lot of people are out here and the fish are seeing a lot of bait presentations. And I'll tell you what I've really seen in the last two days is you really need to keep your lure moving if you want to attract those fish in to get bites
0: let's start out with you were at boyd yesterday and you were catching panfish tell people kind of how you approach that and you know did you just drill a hole and try to attract them did you move around and then what type of techniques and you were quite successful take us through that
1: yeah when i go out to boyd looking for panfish you know the big thing is to look for some sort of structure um right now most of the good ice is in the marina cove area so i'm I'm spending my time in there. There's a lot of people fishing it, but, you you know, you, there's a lot of structure, whether it's the, the mooring buoys, the rocks, uh, there's some trees in there, the, the new uh, inlet structure, the boat dock um, is still in, the marina. There's a lot of structure around. And what I go out and do is I kind of find an area I want to fish, and I'm going to go punch about 10 or 15 holes in various depths, Um, and in various places, and then I'm going to, you know, put my auger down for a while, and I'm going to start fishing holes, and I'm going to give a hole maybe five, ten minutes until I see if fish will come in. But the one thing, as soon as you get fish coming in, I'm going to stick around on that hole for a while. The one problem I saw people doing yesterday is they were constantly drilling holes and constantly walking around, and, I mean, I'd have fish on my electronics that I could see and someone would go drill a hole you know 75 feet away, and you could see those fish just disappear from my hole. And uh, you know, as, give it about five minutes, everything settled down and those fish would reappear. So I think one of the things people are doing too much is is they're making too much noise, especially when there's a lot of pressure out there right now. So go drill your holes, uh, you can kind of walk around, just have your electronics or just a rod, fish a hole for five minutes. If you get a bite or start marking fish, stick on that hole for a little bit and, and change things up. See if you can get those fish to bite. But um, if, you, if you move too much or make too much noise, it's going to be hard for you to catch too many
0: fish. What were you catching out at Boyd?
1: Um, I caught a couple crappies. Uh, the crappie bite didn't seem to be that good. Mainly bluegill, but I did get, you know, three nice largemouth bass, and, you know, the funny thing was is I had a a dead stick minnow rod down, and um, the bass wouldn't even touch that minnow. But using a small little tungsten jig with a size 10 or a size 12 hook, just tipped with one individual spike, and those big bass, I mean, bass up to 15, 16 inches were hitting that little presentation and not even giving a look to a live minnow.
0: Tell people what a spike is so that in case they don't know.
1: A spike is it's a it's it's a variation of a fly larvae, so it's kind of a, a maggot, but it's smaller than a wax worm. And what it is, it's the reason I like it, it skims a little bit harder, so it stays on for more fish. But it also on those little hooks, a wax worm or a mealworm can just fill up the whole hook. And the spike is just the right size. You can hook the end of it and still get uh, good hookups on the fish. And the presentation seems to work great for panfish.
0: And, you know, that for years when I was fishing with In Fisherman and Dave Gantz and the, the ice team, uh, we used to carry spikes with us all the time or maggots and different larvae. We really use that. I've gone to a lot more artificials and most of the time i do pretty well with but there's times when i've been with you and i've had to come and beg a couple spikes off you i'll have to admit that now let's let's switch gears over to um saint veraine um we know they stocked a bunch of large trout in one of the river one of the ponds there where are you fishing and are you approaching that differently
1: you know i am i'm fishing you know the larger pond blue heron where they did stock the trout in And the big thing with that right now is uh, I haven't been out here, so I I punched some holes through various depths, talked to a few people. But finding out that um, it seems like these fish, they're not just roaming. They're on the brake lines, either the top of the brake or the bottom of the brake. And again, they're wanting um, an aggressive or, or a moving presentation. You can put a dead stick down there, and they don't want to touch it. Now, the interesting thing that's happened here, you know, we talked earlier this morning, and there was cloud cover in here, and about half hour, 45 minutes ago, that cloud cover disappeared, and I noticed the fish all of a sudden, I'm seeing a lot of suspended fish coming through it, only two, three feet under the ice, and those fish weren't there when it was cloudy. So I think the amount of sun that is coming through there is really affecting the depth that those fish are coming through at. So pay close attention if you've got electronics, and if you don't, just vary the depth that you're fishing and give it a minute or two in each one of those, you know, reel it up a couple feet at a time, and you might figure out that those fish are suspended and you can catch a lot more fish that
0: way. Is your active presentation for those trout, is it a bigger presentation? Is it more like a spoon or is it still a small jig or are you going back and forth?
1: Actually, I've gone back and forth. I've gone from a, a little bit bigger... But, again, a tungsten spoon. This one does have some plastics on it, a little bit of orange, a uh, bit of plastic with a spike. And then I went with the um, the VMC Tingler spoon. And that, you know, when it was cloudy, was really bringing the fish in, and I was getting a lot of bites. But now that it's sunny, they don't seem to, you know, want to to bite that. So when I get off the phone, I'm going to play around with a couple different type spoons or colors and see if maybe that will help me uh, bring some of those fish back in.
0: All right, my friend, we're out of time. If people want more information or they want to book a guide trip with you, where do they go? Uh,
1: Go to Brad Peterson Outdoors on Facebook, or they can give me a call at 303-829-3998.
0: All right, we will talk to you soon, and we will get on the ice together soon. Thanks, Brad. Sounds good. Thanks, Terry. Brad Peterson, great update there. Uh, I'll podcast that on my Facebook page, um, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. You can follow up. That was a lot of great information. We're going to take a time out. we come back, we're going to talk out, out, uh, outdoors and backcountry safety on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.
2: Any clues,
0: working on a night moon. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. You know, if you're new to the outdoors, you're looking for equipment, you're trying to get started, you won't do better than stopping at Jack's and talking to the people in each department. Up and down the Front Range, from Lafayette and Broomfield all the way to Cheyenne, Loveland, Fort Collins, Uh, if you're an outdoor enthusiast, Jack's has what you need. Let's go right to the phones, and joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Bridget Koschel. Good morning, Bridget.
2: Good morning. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, great to have you on. You know, we're talking about, you heard Brad talking about fishing. There's more people out ice fishing. Um, people, COVID had one silver lining and that's what people rediscovered the outdoors. Whether they hadn't been going outdoors for a long time or whether they're new to the outdoors, they started really understanding the value, the everything that comes with the outdoor experience, the bonding, the friendship, the memories you create. And we've really created an enthusiasm for the outdoor activities that's carrying through right into the winter months. But now that weather's changed, well, a year round in Colorado, you have to be careful. I've done a lot of uh, search and rescue articles, a lot of survival training. But we're getting into some unique times of the year. And I know Parks and Wildlife really wants to make sure people have a good quality, safe experience, don't you?
2: Absolutely. And so you're right. We've, we saw a huge increase in visitation in the summer, and it has flowed into our winter season. And so we want people to spend time outside and to connect with the outdoors. There's so many health and mental benefits to being out in nature. But we do really want to talk about that recreating in the backcountry can be dangerous, and it does require certain precautions and equipment to ensure a safe outdoor experience. So our hope is to just really get people to understand what it means to be safe in the backcountry.
0: Now, along those lines, you've partnered with some people. We're going to get into a little depth. Um, I've done in the past, I've done some articles on outdoor survival, and they kind of span the seasons. There's some basics, and a lot of the basics and what we're going to talk about are covered in those. And if people want to go, if you go back a few weeks on my um, my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, I I posted a, a column I wrote for the Denver Post on outdoor comfort and survival. You could review that. It's got a lot of good basics. And we're also going to talk a lot about avalanche. And I did post an avalanche danger um, article on my, my uh, Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, just a couple weeks ago that people can go and scroll. But You know, even though we haven't had as much snow, we've had a lot of recent avalanche activity and even some fatalities.
2: That's right. And so the biggest thing to tell people is to really just every season take an avalanche safety course and get that friendly refresher of what you're supposed to be protecting yourself in the backcountry and then also really to check those avalanche forecasts. And it doesn't matter if you're new to the backcountry or if you're experienced. It also doesn't matter what sports you're doing, whether you're skiing, snowshoeing, hiking, or biking. Regardless, if you're in avalanche terrain, you really got to check the avalanche forecast.
0: They really do. And I know you guys have concentrated on all aspects. You mentioned cross-country skiing. I do snowshoeing myself and hiking in the backcountry even. And, of course, there's backcountry skiing and there's snowmobiling, which You know, you've got a lot of mobility. You can get in the wrong place in the wrong time. Um, I know you've been really ingrained in this over the last few weeks and really wanting to follow up with that. What kind of resources and what has Parks and Wildlife done to partner with people so that we can make them more aware and, and keep them safe? Sure. So
2: we've been partnering with our state, federal, and local outdoor partners to really just help maximize the reach of backcountry safety messages. And so the Colorado Tourism Office actually put together a really cool site that highlights a bunch of resources and also includes a list of online and in-person safety classes and a directory of guides and outfitters for a variety of winter sports. So if you pop over to that site at colorado.com slash safety. It highlights just a variety of resources, including resources from the Colorado Avalanche Information Center and the in-person classes with the, the Colorado Mountain Club, the Colorado Adventure Guides. So there's a lot of wonderful resources over there.
0: Now, I know uh, an interesting note is you recently took some Avalanche classes. What would you kind of take away from those? What What surprised you the most or what was the best information you got out of those?
2: I I am so glad that I took that class. I learned so much. So really it was how to even just check the avalanche forecast and how to pay attention to it and know when something is safe and when it's not. Also, the guides were pointing out the actual avalanches and where you can spot them on the mountain. I also learned so much about the equipment. And so having a quality shovel is so important when you're actually going to Dig someone out of the snow, and how to use a probe, and how to have a beacon check, and use an avalanche transceiver. So it's not just about having the equipment; it's about knowing how to use it and practicing with it. And, well, and you know, uh, yeah.
0: Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, continue, a please.
2: Physical component too. Some adventures in the summer are much more dangerous in winter conditions, and. It's hard to sometimes pull yourself up out of the snow when you really sink down and dealing with the altitude and you have all this extra clothing on. So just so important to avoid activities that are beyond your skill level.
0: Well, I, you know what? I can attest to what the altitude and the deep snow. I was going up checking some ice fishing a few years ago, and there's a reservoir called Joe Wright at the top of Cameron Pass that it has about a half hour from the time it freezes till it has six feet of snow on it. And I always wanted to ice fish it, but it's hard to access it. And I had been out checking some other reservoirs, and I'd done some ice fishing. And I was coming by, and it looked like Joe Wright might be frozen and the snow wasn't that deep. So I parked in an appropriate place and walked. It was, I don't know, a couple hundred yards, maybe a little more, down to where I could access. But when I started walking, I realized the snow was over thigh deep. But I'm down there a ways now. I said, well, I'm going to still go check it out. I got down. And the lake wasn't frozen enough, so I was going to go back to my truck. Well, now I'm in this thigh-deep snow at about 10,000 feet, walking back to my truck uphill. And I, you, and I thought I was in shape. I'm an outdoor enthusiast. I do a lot of things. I got within about 50 yards of my truck, and I thought it was going to die there. I mean, I stopped. I read oh, that I was okay. But people don't realize how quickly you can get exhausted and totally worn out and in trouble.
2: Right. Exactly. And I also just one of the biggest lessons, too, is always telling someone where you're going and when you're going to be back home, because the back country is huge. And so if you do get in trouble like that, it's so important that someone else knows at least the general area of where you were going. And but taking the class, it was fantastic. And I highly recommend it to everyone who wants to spend time in the back country this winter.
0: I want to um, reinforce what you said about telling somebody, and this is with any outdoor activity, any time of the year, having taught some survival classes and search and rescue, things can happen quickly. You can get trouble in trouble, even in good conditions, so much quicker than you think. And the number one thing to getting out of it without a tragedy is if somebody knows where you are and when you're supposed to return, uh, it's just, so much makes it so much easier. And with that being said, be calm, assess your situation and don't wander around because if we know kind of where to look for you, we got a pretty good chance we'll find you, but we don't want to find where you've been. I tell you what, we got about a minute left. I know you have some messages on recreation and responsibility. Why don't you give us a few tips?
2: Sure, absolutely. So the the main things to remember is know before you go so choose your destination wisely again check those avalanche forecasts and those danger ratings recreate responsibly avoid activities that are beyond your skill level bring the proper safety equipment with you and then also care for colorado again it's practicing those leave no trace principles please trash your trash and keep wildlife wild respect all the wildlife out there they're you know trying to save and conserve calories so it's all about just Coexisting in the in the backcountry, and I do also just want to give a big thank you to the um, the volunteers at the Colorado Search and Rescue Association. It's just they've it's just so wonderful to have people that are so kind and have such wonderful character
0: to really be there for people in times of need. Yeah, and if you be careful too, because if you get careless, you could overwhelm search and rescue and rural health systems. Bridget, we have to go, but I think this is a great message. And tell people the website again with the information.
2: Sure, absolutely. So it's colorado.com backslash backcountry winter safety.
0: All right. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we do want people out, we just want them doing it right. Absolutely. Take care. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Serving the outdoor public for sixty five years. You're listening to one oh four three the fan.
3: The wind and the waves, and the moon down it
2: eases my mind by leaving
0: the you and know, Kyle, and the with playing tropical type music about the wind and the waves is gonna get Karen upset when it's snowing. You have to be careful.
4: Yeah, you gotta combat the snow somehow, right? Might as well yeah. go there mentally. <laughs>
0: You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, which is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Let's go right to the phones. Joining us, one of our favorite contributors, uh, J.R. Pierce from Colorado Clays. Good morning, J.R.
3: Good morning, Terry.
0: Uh, is it snowing
3: out there? You know, we just had a little uh, skiff there, and then it's kind of cleared off. It's not too bad right at the moment, so we'll see what happens.
0: Great time to come out and practice your shotgun skills during hunting conditions.
3: Well, there's something to be said for it, Uh, wear that same gear, Um, lighting's different, Uh, just adds another element, good practice.
0: Oh, it really is. You know, speaking of practice, a lot of people have got new guns this year. They've got rifles, shotguns, pistols, and before they really get out in the field or even do what other activities, whether it's going to be just target shooting, plinking, Um, self-defense, hunting. You really need to get out and get familiar with the guns. And Colorado Clays has the disciplines to take all those shooters and also the resources to really get them familiar, don't you?
3: Absolutely, Terry. You know, you bring up a good point because there are a lot of new guns that uh, have been uh, purchased through the holidays, uh, and we're seeing them all over the place. And Something that might be worth mentioning, Terry, is, uh, you know, whether you ordered a gun from one of the big distributors, perhaps an outdoor store, a gun shop, what have you, um, the process for doing that is guns need to be shipped between federal firearms licenses, and it just so happens that Colorado Clays have a federal firearms license, so a lot of these guns, and people may not be aware of this because we don't talk about it much, um, with just a simple phone call uh, get some information. We can have those guns shipped directly from where you purchase them to Colorado Clays, uh, then just a simple call to get an appointment to do paperwork, backgrounds, and such, and you're set. But, you know, really, like you said, Terry, the best thing about Colorado Clays being an FFL is that um, when you use us as your destination, once you have your gun in hand, you're already at the premier public shooting facility in the state. So, whether you got a rifle or a pistol, um, head down to our high-tech range, try out the new gun, or, like I say, sign up for some uh, classes we have, pistol 101, concealed carry, individual instruction with one of our professionals, uh, perfect. If you got a, a shotgun, uh, always, you know, first thing, go to that shotgun patterning area, see where it shoots, and then work out to one of our uh, ranges and try them out. So, uh, yes, definitely first stop should be Colorado Clays.
0: I, I have a quick question. I don't want to put you on the spot, but because you're federally licensed, you know, in Colorado, even a transfer of guns between friends and relatives needs to go through a license to do the background check. So if I have an uncle who wants to hand down his his shotgun to me, can you do that paperwork too?
3: Absolutely, bud. So uh, yeah, anything that requires uh, transfer and background checks, Colorado Clays does, And, uh, again, just give us a call, set up an appointment. uh, We can make pretty much anything happen.
0: And I think there's a lot of people that don't understand that, that you can't just give a friend or sell a friend your gun in Colorado with the laws, but it can be handled quite easily through a licensed dealer. You know, the other thing, too, is once you get that new gun, um, and we went through this, uh, my daughter and her significant other have some new handguns. They're going to come out, and you're going to give them classes because – They don't even want to buy ammunition until they had safety training and an understanding of the manual arms on those firearms.
3: Absolutely, Terry. And, you know, that's the the smartest thing anyone can do. Um, The first rule is safety. Uh, You can't be safe unless you understand the function of your gun. And I'm telling you. Colorado Clays has the best staff in the industry, we offer the best training courses around. So, for example, Pistol 101, that takes you from the very beginning and you will end up uh, learning skills that will make you a better shooter as opposed to going out and trying to learn it yourself. Uh, Concealed carry class, whether you plan to carry or not, is one of the most comprehensive educational and hands-on classes you can get Um, for for no more than the cost is of that class, again, uh, good for everyone to take it because even if it's not for yourself, you will understand other folks having concealed carry what they went through and have more familiarity with everything to do with it. And, of course, individual one-on-one instruction, Terry, can't say enough about that. And being that we do have the highest level uh, certified instructors in the industry, uh, getting a half hour, an hour with one of them will put you light years ahead of even a group setting. So uh, definitely, definitely take advantage of what Colorado Plays offers in those areas.
0: Yeah, I think it's essential. I think everybody, there's such a responsibility that comes with owning a firearm. I think if you're going to take that responsibility, you need to do training. One other thing I, that I thought of that I wanted to ask you about before I let you go, and you know, we talked over the holiday season about gift cards for gifts, but you know, you do so many events out there, charity events and things like that. I would think those gift cards would be great prizes or great gifts that you could give year-round for a birthday or Father's Day or anything. Do you do those gift cards year-round?
3: Yeah, and you're right, Terry. The Colorado Clays gift card, we do countless numbers of those for Christmas and the holidays because, uh, as everybody knows, they're the perfect gift for any outdoorsman or woman, and uh, – on that point, though, throughout the year, we do sell an incredible number of gift cards for many other occasions. Um, and I mean, these things, for like you said, birthdays, uh, it doesn't get any better than a Colorado Clays gift card for a birthday. But we also work with corporate events. Um, a lot of times, they will use Colorado Clays gift cards as prizes or door prizes. Sometimes raffle prizes or drawing prizes, so they make they make a great prize for any kind of corporate event uh, competitions. We do lots of competitions. Oftentimes, uh, one of the prizes in those will be a gift card. Uh, the fundraisers oftentimes will add something and put a Colorado Clay's gift card in a silent auction to try and generate money for causes. It works out very well. Lots of companies come out here buy gift cards to give employees. <laughs> So uh, employees love having a gift, and it makes for a good day out, and a uh, great, great gift there. Another one that's super popular is a wedding gift. So obviously, people getting uh, married, nothing is more fun than having a bachelor or bachelorette party at Colorado Clay's. And giving them a gift that gets them out here, um, you know, you can buy them anything, Terry, whether it's gun rentals, ammo, time with an instructor to make it fun for everyone uh, that gift card is just priceless as a wedding gift so definitely think outside the box and give us a call as far as acquiring the gift cards three easy ways first of course walk into Colorado Clays, come to the clubhouse go to the front desk purchase it for whatever amount you want or give us a call and we can certainly mail them through the mail or email them and you can print it yourself. So very very easy to get the number 1 gift out there, which is of course the Colorado Clay's gift card.
0: All right, my friend, how do they find you? We got to let you go, but how do people find you?
3: Give us a call 303-659-7117 or go to com. check us out, take the virtual tour and uh, we look forward to seeing everyone.
0: All right, my friend. We will talk soon. Hopefully, you and I will be out fishing this week.
3: I'm hoping this weather stays cold for a couple of days, Terry. I don't feel like swimming.
0: All right, we'll talk to you soon, my friend.
3: Yep. Thanks,
0: Jr. from Jr. from Colorado Clays. Good people out there. Just good people. Um, yeah, they're just. It's just that we're going to take a time out. We come back. We're going to talk to uh, Austin Parr from Discount Fishing Tackle, and he's going to talk not only fishing, but he's been out doing some pheasant hunting. So we'll get an update on that and so much more on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear, your headquarters for all your outdoor needs, on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Short in addition today, we're only going till 9.30 because The Fan will be your headquarters for all of the NFL playoff games. Let's go right to the phones and joining us, one of our favorite contributors from discount fishing tackle, Austin Parr. Good morning, Austin.
1: Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, I, I can't. I want to have you on because we're getting so many people out ice fishing, and we've had, you know, mountain conditions have been pretty good in some places for a while. We're seeing the bigger lakes like Granby and Blue Mesa get iced. But a lot of people don't know where to go and how to get started. Are there opportunities close to home? So I think the first thing I want to talk to you about is what are you hearing out there? What's available close and what if you want to drive a little bit?
4: Certainly several options that are available. But as we mentioned on the, with relative abundance, certainly caution is going to be the most important thing to be utilizing no matter what ice condition you're on. But especially on the front range when we have weather patterns like this that are cold at some points and then warm at other points. But... On the south end of Chatfield, we're starting to see areas with that four to six inch of ice type range. Now, also keep in mind on Chatfield that that used to be an old gravel quarry. So there are quite a few springs that are abundant around in there, so a spud bar is pretty, uh, pretty important. But the south of the Swim Beach would be really the only area outside of the north boat ramp area that I would think about fishing. Anywhere else is really not that great at the moment. But with that being said, uh, some rainbows have been being caught pretty well down there, and, and along with some some really nice rainbows, uh, some holeover fish are, are being caught, and a few walleyes here and there on some of the lower light conditions but uh, that definitely has been okay there. Staying on the south end of town, but a little bit better ice. Evergreen Lake is an awesome place to take kids, or if you just want to get started. Right outside of town there, you can get into some really solid ice conditions. Uh, and as long as you stay away from that general inlet area, the ice in general has been very, very solid up there. Uh, Bear Creek tends to hold really good ice, and we're seeing that again this year as well. So if you saw guys are being caught, but definitely trout. And then up north, St. Brain has had periods of decent ice and periods of not-so-great ice, and there's some ponds that hold the better ice than others at certain times, so another lake or a spud bar would definitely be important.
0: What about Cherry Creek? Anything going on there?
4: Yeah, so the west side of Cherry Creek has probably been producing the best walleyes um, out of any of the metro area lakes as of late. The east side still is a little bit soft. A few people have been venturing out toward the tower, but I wouldn't recommend that a whole lot. On the west side, however, getting on some of the edges of the the old roadbed that's out there, and, and some of the other drops that are dropping off into the main basin, particularly in the low light conditions, anglers have been uh, catching a, a good handful of walleyes out there. Smaller jigging wraps have probably proved to be the most effective technique. Uh, we're trying to get those fish to rise up away from. The bottom a little bit. Some of the bigger ones have been uh, having a little bit of success, but the smalls have definitely been better. Live bait hasn't been overly productive, but people that are finding some crappie schools have been catching some some crappie on uh, some small little ratso type jigs, and then also a minnow on a dead stick sitting right beside it.
0: What about the mountains? What have you heard up there? I know we I heard uh, a while ago Blue Mesa, the ice is extending. That's going, but what else are we hearing?
4: Yeah, so gramby is kind of the talk at the moment. Uh, a lot of people are starting to get sleds out on gramby. Uh, a little bit of slush has been forming from what we've been hearing with some of the little bit warmer conditions, so certainly be cautious of that, particularly if you're uh, in an ATV or anything, don't, you don't want to get stuck up there. But good numbers of, of smaller fish for sure. we got some reports that some smart slender spoons have been working really well for eater size lake trout. Uh, as you bigger fish uh, are not necessarily with those smaller schools and people that are are actively pursuing those are doing well with uh, darker colored tube jigs kind of the standard gramby green kind of color and that that dark green olive type tube has been very effective tipping with sucker meat certainly has been good but then other lakes like williams fork have been producing some really nice fish so we've been hearing of a couple of really good ones up there same type tube jig type presentations for those larger fish and then smaller fish, uh, we've been doing actually all right on some jigging wraps as well. I've been talking to a few guys, having great success on good numbers there. And then incorporating some of the super glow shiver minnows that a lot of walleye fishermen have taken to over the last couple of years, uh, especially one that's that's called Purple Its. Um, that one, it, it's kind of a white Wonder Bread looking color that glows forever. And uh, those lake trout have been coming into that pretty well up there.
0: You know, before I want to get a a little bit of an update on upland game, but before I do that, take two minutes and I'm a new ice angler. I'm coming into your shop. What kind of presentations, maybe I'm going for trout or panfish or I, I don't know a lot. What kind of presentations are you going to steer me to? Obviously I can't, and I'm not going to spend $200 on tackle. I want a few things. What are you going to kind of steer me towards?
4: the so beauty of ice fishing right there is you can get a lot of what you need and in, in really about under 50 bucks as far as tackle is concerned. But outside of a rod, I definitely am going to try and steer an angler towards something that's going to have a little bit more of an active presentation on my jigging rod. And then if there's a second rod stamp fishing with a little more of a passive presentation on a secondary rod. So if I'm in a lake that doesn't have a ton of pressure, I'm going to typically go with something really bright on my jigging presentation. So Something like a Trout Traps Atomic Teaser in a bright color like a pink or an orange I like a lot. That's a tube jig with a little soft plastic tail that's coming out of the back of it. Um, that definitely is one of my favorites. But then also spoon presentations like a Slender Spoon or a Buckshot Rattlespoon can work quite well. Secondarily, on my Dead Stick Rod, I'm going to be fishing something more like a Rat Finky or there's some new presentations from Custom Jigs and Spins. Uh, the lures are called a Wolf Finky. And it's a basic little jig, but it's a tungsten head rather than the lead head on that rat pinky. so it stays down and keeps your line a little bit more tight. But those definitely are going to work well. A uh, presentation that, that you, you, know, you and I have talked about over the years uh, that has been being utilized, I don't think quite enough lately, is taking a type of spoon, I like a flutter spoon a lot, like a slender spoon or um, even some of the tingler spoons from BMC, Dice light spoon. I'm going to take the treble hook off of the split ring on the bottom of the spoon, and I'm going to tie a little dropper piece of fluorocarbon and then put a small jig on the bottom of that so you can incorporate a
1: spoon-type
4: drawing power with the flash and then have that little jig down below to target some of those a little bit more finicky fish. A lot of times, on the ice at least, I don't have as much success vertical jigging with the spoon as far as actually getting bit by trout. Uh, definitely a little bit better on those smaller jigs. So it's a great drawing power to get those fish in and then be able to eat on that same rod in your hand rather than going to a dead stick.
0: All right, those are great great tips. Hey, we've got a couple minutes before I let you go. I know you've been out pheasant hunting. You're an avid bird hunter. I know it's not the best year in Colorado, but you got any tips for people? What is the status out there? Definitely been a little bit
4: more challenging, certainly as of late. Uh, We are still seeing some birds out there, um, but it it, it's taking a lot of walking and i know that's kind of a cliche with pheasant hunting but it certainly is the the case this year um it's something that i've been seeing certainly the, the the corners have probably had the best habitat and there's decent birds that are around that area but a lot of people are hitting those so if you can get away from that a little bit and even hunt areas that maybe don't have quite as good of habitat but maybe are around something that does you may have some birds that are filtering out of that area that's getting heavily hunted and then maybe target some of those in, in that type of an area. But all of the things, you can't make a mistake right now. I mean, it's, it's really only being able, you have to walk into the wind the entire time, hunt around weather, um, trying to make it as, as cold as possible, really. If there's any snow, you can track some of those birds out there. But it's been definitely a little bit more challenging. But there's still some birds out there. We are harvesting some here and there.
0: Hey, you know, one of the number one tips, pheasant hunting, when the numbers are down and they're pressured, is don't slam your car door yes
4: yes don't talk in the field don't whistle at your dogs you have to hunt them more like you would almost be thinking about a big game animal almost i mean being stealthy stalking them um you can't just go trudging out in the field screaming at your buddy i mean they are blowing out at range
0: all right hey austin thank you so much for joining us where can people find you if they want more information
4: i'm at discount fishing tackle we're six blocks south of evans on the west side of santa fe
0: all right. My friend, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Terry. You bet. Austin Parr. Great, great resource. Speaking of great resources, um, and we're going to take a quick break, and we come back. We're going to be joined by the great – you'll hear that, Nate? I said great, Nate Zielinski on 104.3 The Fan.